This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career. Today, we're talking with Mary Foresta, a prolific author and art curator. For years, she was a senior curator at the Smithsonian Institution, and then she went on to create and direct the Smithsonian's groundbreaking photography initiative. Today, Mary does guest curating at major museums, and she consults about the marriage between innovation and art. She also is a visiting executive at the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. We'll be talking about how artists forge their careers, how they address the tasks of creating something new and meaningful, and about the richness of Mary's own career. Mary, you've had a career that's given you an unusual close-up view about how some of the 20th century's most intriguing artists have done their work and created their work lives. Before we start talking about some of these artists, I'd like to have you tell our listeners a bit about the course of of your career as a curator of the arts, mostly at the Smithsonian. As I recall, one of the most fascinating times of your earlier years was when you became immersed in the work of the life of Man Ray. Do you want to tell us a bit about your years at the Smithsonian and and perhaps um, something about the the your adventures with Man Ray's work? I think adventures is the right word for my entire career in some ways. Um, uh, just to step back a little bit, I just, I've always been asked, um, so how do you get to be a curator? And I've always been a little stumped by that question because from my own personal experience, uh, it was a little unclear to me when I was going to school exactly what I would be. Um, my primary interest was in reading and uh, English literature, and that's what I mostly spent my time doing until one day I discovered that there was this thing called art history where you actually sat in a room and people showed you works of art um, in slide form. They projected them onto the wall for hours on end. I thought this was the most magical thing I'd ever seen. So uh, in fairly short order, I became an, uh, an art historian student, and, um, uh, but I began as a medievalist. Um, I was very interested in art and architecture and sort of slowly worked my way up um, into the 20th century when I realized that there were living artists that you could actually speak with, um, and that even um, those artists who are no longer with us, their history was much more recent and much more vibrant um, to me as a result. Um, I was introduced to Man Ray through his widow, Juliet Man Ray, who I just happened to be introduced to on a visit to Los Angeles um, in 1980. And she um, was quite engaging and said to me what it turns out she said to many um, curators before her, um, why don't you come and visit me in Paris? Well, I was a young curator, and you don't have to ask um, young curators too many times to come visit you in Paris, and so I did, and, and a good relationship ensued after that. Um, Man Ray um, is one of those uh, wonderful, eccentric, 
um, oddities of uh, 20th century art history. He was an American who uh, spent most of his life living in France. Um, he uh, was uh, known better to the French by the end of his life than he was to the Americans. But in, even so, it turns out that he was a principal uh, character in a narration of transatlantic art and commerce that uh, went on through most of the 20th century. He was known as a Dadaist and a Surrealist, which made him somewhat um, of, um, in people's imaginations, um, a little bit outside the usual trajectory of, of art history. He broke a lot of rules, as did a lot of the Surrealists. He um, was an opportunist. He uh, worked his way across the Atlantic um, as an American and landed in Paris as an American artist in Paris. In the 1920s, you can imagine that was a pretty good thing to be. He taught himself French. Most of his life, he walked around with two dictionaries in, a, in his pockets, one English to French, one French to French. Um, he was uh, very interested in language, as were many of the Surrealists, uh, in puns and sort of literary um, connotations for their art. Um, he was an opportunist as an artist. He was a painter. He was a draftsman. He was a filmmaker. He was an object maker, and probably best known for being a photographer. And he used each of these mediums as he needed to. Uh, one of the things that I think is quite fascinating is that he was one of the first uh, major f uh, artists, American artists, living abroad, who both worked as a fine, what we thought of then as a fine artist, as an artist who produced art that would be shown in galleries alongside of other fine artists. But he was also a commercial artist. He used the camera to work for magazines like Vogue and Harper's Bazaar, and his fashion work was regularly shown in um, those magazines. What was very clever about Man Ray um, was that he would often do his own styling of his photo shoots, which means he was quite important that he got to work in his own studio with the models, and he would often use as backdrops uh, his own paintings. So he was advertising himself at the same time very that he was doing the work of um, these fashion as a fashion photographer. And there, in a short order, is all you probably want to know about Man Ray. <laughs> well, here's uh, something, though, I, I want to ask you about, and Man Ray illustrates. I'm, I'm fascinated by the careers of artists or the work of artists, and I think we sometimes have the illusion that an artist like Man Ray, who's so, some of his work is so playful, and, and we see him in bizarre situations, and he looks like his life uh, was often a party. And yet, as you describe him, he was a, an intense careerist. He was commercial. He did, he learned all the time. He studied. Would you say he was what we would consider a hard worker to do all of these things, or, or did it just kind of flow to him easily without a lot of work? Mm. Um, it's, 
Uh, I love that, Bev, that you've called him a careerist. I don't think anybody has ever applied exactly that word to him before, but that is um, really what he was. Uh, He was always thinking ahead about um, uh, how to promote himself as an artist. That said, he was an extraordinarily hard worker. If um, you add up all of the different things that I said that he did, you'd have to have been a hard worker. And I think you're right. The myth... Something that's always been um, uh, of of interest to me to try to explain is how is how hard artists work. Um, I think we have this romantic notion of artists who um, sleep all day and work all night and um, then go out to the cafe and um, drink too much and party too much and and maybe they do all of that. But what I do know is that. The artists um, I'm most familiar with uh, get up early, even if early is 2 o'clock in the afternoon and they work all night, they work. They have a, re- um, a regimen that they follow. Um, most artists work every day. Um, the very best ones work very carefully and very hard, um, and their work may be making art, but it is still very difficult work. Um, and it's something they have to stick to all the time. One of your most uh, recent major shows was the Irving Penn exhibition at the Smithsonian. It launched in 2015, and I think it's still traveling around. And, of course, you had the wonderful book that accompanies it, Beyond Beauty. There you focused on the life and work of another artist who combined commerce, it looks like, and art, and kept reiterating that that cycle. And, and some of his most um, playful-looking fashion shots must have been very hard work. Would you put him in sort of the same category as somebody who worked really hard to do so much? Oh, absolutely. Um, because I'm so uh, so interested in the history of photography, it's tempting to say that uh, um, photographic artists work harder than anybody, but um, uh, certainly Irving Penn would be at my top of my list uh, for any medium of an artist um, working hard. And he definitely thought of himself as a worker. And it even went down to his, um, his mode of dress. Though he may have gone to all of his meetings um, with um, fashion consultants and magazine editors in a suit and a tie. Um, when he got to the studio, he was always he worked in a pair of jeans, a worker's denim shirt, uh, and tennis shoes. Um, he was very much about um, being a no-nonsense worker. He took his work very carefully. I remember once going into his studio when he was shooting um, ads for Clinique, and it was a number of people working, setting up still lifes of Clinique products on small pedestals. And Penn oversaw it as though he were looking at an assembly line um, and tweaked this and tweaked that. There was not a lot of conversation. It was a very serious place, um, and he got behind the camera, and it was very serious. Um, not a lot of conversation, not a lot of um of messing around with this, that, and the other thing. He had done his homework. He came ready to work. 
he did the work. And I think if you look at his work, you can see that kind of rigor, um, which is not to say that every artist who works hard is going to have that kind of style. We can think of other artists who are much more playful in their result. It doesn't mean they didn't work hard. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. Another one of your books, and Mary, it's, it's so impressive that you had two wonderful books out practically at the same time in 2015. But in, um, the other one plays with the idea of artists in their workplace as well as artists at place. And that's Artists Unframed, which is a collection of, oh, what, about 100 snapshots from the Smithsonian archives and of artists going about their, their life and work. The opening section, which I like very much, of course, because I'm so intrigued by work, is snapshots of artists in their studio or painting outside. That series of photos does make the work of artists look pretty luxurious. It looks pretty fun. But I noticed that you led your book with artists at work. Was that was that conscious, that you wanted to kind of demonstrate the point that artists work hard, even if these snapshots make it look like they're relaxing? Well, um, I should say that snapshots are the kinds of things we have in all of our family albums, or, or used to have in our family albums in paper form before, <laughs> before yeah. the iPhone became so popular. Now, now we carry our, our, our family albums around in our pockets, but um, these are mostly um, uh, earlier snapshots that indeed I discovered at the Smithsonian Archives. And I was interested in the fact that so many of them show the artists in their studios, and I sort of saw them as after hours. Um, Imagine yourself in your office after a lot of the work is done and your fellow um, office workers uh, show up and you're hanging around your desk. Um, It's that kind of flavor that I think is in the studio. And maybe a lot of these artists um, do spend a lot of time in their studios, so it seemed natural to suggest that their workspace was also their living space um, in many cases, um, which meant that they spent a lot of time um, in those studios, which were their workplace. Um, They seem relaxed because we all are somewhat relaxed in our workspaces if we've done a good job, and I think that's what that section really shows. the whole book is given over to artists as human um, beings that are just like us. Uh, I don't know. There, are, there are a lot of uh, 
celebrity magazines that have sections called Celebrities Are Just Like Us, and they show them taking their kids to school and having dinner and whatever. Um, and artists are just like us, too, in the sense that um, they have families and they go to work in their studios and they go on picnics at the beach and they um, have human relationships with their friends and family. And that's really what this book was about. Um, your emphasis on works, I think, if you look through all the pages, you, you get a sense, um, in many cases, of the work that was being done and also the relationships that were being forged in those workplaces um, that artists know as studios. I think a theme with artists that sets them apart from some of us, they're not just like everybody, the successful ones seem to have uh, an intensity that they bring to bear that allows them to become successful and creative. And I I will tell our listeners, Mary, I've known you for a long time. And it seems to me that you have that same kind of intensity, that you've brought it to your career. I, My recollection is that when you decided to take up running, you decided to do marathons, that when you were playing tennis, you wanted to be ranked somehow. And, and now I know you're uh, doing dog training and you've got stacks of ribbons and titles and so forth that when you take something up, you aim pretty high, and that seems to have appeared in your career, but it's not just work. It's an attitude you bring to everything. Is Does that resonate with you, and would you say that is something that you see in, in the, uh, the artist whose lives you've encountered, either, either through history or in real life? Well, thank you for that <laughs> laudatory summation of my um, various careers. Um, thank you for that, Bev. Um, uh, I'd like to say that um, you have to work hard to get to all of those places, but I think the difference, I won't talk about myself, um, but I'll talk about artists that I find to be the most successful, and by that will mean most recognized um, for the purposes of this conversation, I think any artist that works really hard is a successful um, artist. Uh, but those that we see as successful because recognized have a real passion for what they do. They do it because they have to. They work at that level because they believe in what they do. They believe very much in what they do. And they don't... Um, they don't see the world in terms of, um, yes, I can, and no, I can't. They just see it in terms of, yes, I can. They say yes. They, they go forward, um, uh, even against all odds, um, when it doesn't look like anyone will ever be interested in their art or anyone will ever um, uh, add them to a, a show um, on the walls of a museum, they keep making their art. I'm always amazed when I encounter an artist um, whose work is not as well known as they would like. Um, you'd think they'd stop making art, but they don't. They, they're making even more art. Um, and they just can't stop. And you can't stop believing that, yes, I can do this, um, yes, I can make this, um, it, it just seems to be part of their DNA. It just is. And maybe that is 
what sets them apart from um, everyday people. So if somebody wants to have a career in the arts, you're suggesting you make art even if you cannot do it as your day job. Is, is that right? Or well, how, what would, advice do you, you have? If you want to have a career in the arts, there's many ways to have careers in the arts. Um, you don't have to make the art in order to have a career in the art. I'm a curator. I, I couldn't paint a picture to save my life or take a photograph that would be worth anything except of interest to me. Um, but um, you can. there's so many ways to participate in the arts. It's, it's difficult. You have to believe that... Um, your career in the arts um, is is valuable. Um, so believing in yourself, I think, is is part of it. And maybe we're getting at something that comes closest to um, a definition about creativity. And creativity, it seems to me, is an um, is a hyper awareness of self, a hyper awareness of participating in the world, uh, hyper-awareness of um, finding solutions that move you forward. And so when we talk about artists and having a special kind of creativity, I think we're talking about that um, sense of self, which um, supersedes any um, obstacles they may encounter in um, getting where they're going. How do you cultivate that kind of creativity, that kind of self-awareness? If, if you think, gosh, that sounds good, I want to be more like that, where do you start? You know, that's such a good question. I, um, at, the, at once, I want to say, well, you either have it or you don't. I mean, artists are or, or they're not. Um, but I think, I think I would suggest if someone wants to cultivate that um, that activity in themselves, that feeling in themselves, it's moving through the world and not, God, this sounds so cliched, not dwelling on the negative, but dwelling on the positive, dwelling on the I can, let's, let's try this, or that way isn't working, let's go this way. I mean, so often we encounter something that we've never done before and we sit back and go, gosh, I can't do that. I've never done it before. Um, I think I think walking around whatever it is that is causing you to feel that and try something else, um, it's, it's, um, it's cultivating in yourself a sense of experimentation. Do something you've never done before. It's, you've it's... never... Um, a lot of people have never gone to a muse- an art museum. Go to an art museum. You may not have a clue what you're looking at, but look at it, and maybe you'll have one. Or if you're an art, uh, if you're an, if you love the arts, um, go to a science museum where um, science that makes no sense to you, maybe something sparks. Um, I think that you know. I love going to museums. I love looking at books of pictures, um, sometimes I try to pick up something that I have, I think I'll have no interest in whatsoever, and I see if I can find something that makes it interesting for me. So these kinds of little challenges of try it and see um, maybe are good exercises for developing um, ways of looking at the world at large. 
So there, there are two bits of advice there. One is that you look at art, you experience art, you experience new things, you open yourself to the world and you go out and engage with it or at least observe it. And the other one that's implicit in what you're saying is that you manage that voice in your head that can be the barrier to engaging in the world, that voice that says you can't do it, this doesn't make any sense, what's the point of that? And you talk back to it and say, I'm just going to try it. So you change your attitude so that you Um, can go out and engage. uh, I I, I do think that um, those are the little exercises. Um, You know, I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do the big thing, to make the big change. And uh, I'm a firm believer in lots of little changes um, add up and accumulate. And suddenly you don't realize it, but but you're doing something incredibly um, different in a different way, and uh, so I think those that way of looking, uh, stepping to the side and looking at something slightly differently, um, are, we can do that all the time with everything, um, and maybe that's maybe that's getting close to thinking like an artist. I don't know. Um, in many ways, um, it is just a. a skill that you have to train yourself um, to do. So practice. Emotional muscle memory, I guess. (laughs) So so practice trying new things. That It's not enough to just do it once or twice, but you develop kind of um, a a regular practice. It's time to try something. It's time to take a little step in that direction. It's time to get moving a little bit. So that becomes part of how you approach life each and every day, and and when you make the conscious effort to do it, then it changes how you are and how you enter into the world. I think so. I think so. Um, if we can suggest that that's, um, that's a way of dealing with the world more creatively, um, I think I would agree with that. I have one um, final question. I'm thinking about... Um, young people who are interested in careers in the arts, entering in the art world in some way, in many fields, internships and networking and those kind of activities are key. If you were talking to a group of young people wanting to enter the art world, would you focus on things like internships and um, uh, finding mentors, or how would you suggest people get started kind of building their access to a career in the arts? Um, I certainly would suggest that it's all it's experience, experience, experience. However, that comes if it's an internship, if it's um, um, going to work in an artist studio or a commercial artist studio. Um, I think you find your niche by um, trying lots of different kinds of things. Um, it's very rare, I think, these days that you you walk in the first door that opens for you, and that's where you end up being um, a successful participant in the arts um, for the rest of your career. I think it's about collecting lots of different kinds of experience, um, both for your resume and also for your own sense of what's right for you. I think 
we tend to think of internships increasingly as the thing that you can put on your resume that says, um, I worked for this important person or I worked at this important firm. But I think it really should be a testing ground for your own sense of um, um, attachment to uh, a particular area. I'd like to say that the arts are a little more flexible than than other um, kinds of situations. So um, the more flexible you can be in return, um, the better off you're going to be, I think, as you enter the field. You, you've got to start low and aim high, all those good things. Um, to work in a museum right now is not an easy career. I think there are a lot more... Um, there's a lot more effort in professionalism uh, than there was um, back when I started, um, which was um, quite a long time ago. But now there are many more applicants, and museums are larger, bigger, more professional places. So um, it's a matter of finding your niche um, and trying lots of different things. Well, Mary, I know that you are going to um, keep on trying lots of different things. That's why you're still so um, actively involved in, in, in so many aspects of your career. Thanks so much for um, being with me today. I, I can't wait to hear your next round of stories. Thanks, Bev. It's fun working with you again. Today we've been talking with Mary Foresta, author, curator, and consultant, about the creative process of artists and about the texture of her own career. Today's tip is to have an engaging career, whether you're an artist or not. You have to work hard. There's no way around it. To get on the path to something great, you have to put in the hours of methodical work. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Think like an entrepreneur, act like a CEO. Finally, if you have a comment or question or an idea for a great episode, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at beverlyejones54 at gmail.com. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-E-J-O-N-E-S-5-4 at gmail.com. 